Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, praise God. Let's uh, pray and we'll get right after it here this evening. Actually, I will do this one thing, announcement. Heidi wanted me to remind the women to sign up for the women's Bible study if you have not done that yet. So uh, that sign up is at the welcome table on the backside over there. So let's pray and we'll get going. Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your your blessing on our lives. Lord, that we are in covenant with you. We are so grateful for the covenant. Father, you give us strength. You give us life. You give us uh, everything that you are is a part of what we are because we, we've died and now we're, we're living in Christ. And we're so grateful for that. Thank you, Father, for the spirit of God living in us. Thank you for the fruit of the spirit. Thank you for your blessing. Father, we have a bright hope, uh, a future that is bright in front of us. Um, Not only where we're at right now, Lord, but also in heaven with you and eternity. And we look forward, Lord, to uh, walking by faith every day. Father, continuing to move forward and accomplish your will. And we look forward to your return, Lord, where we will rule and reign with you for eternity. We are excited about that. Father, you are so good to us. You're gracious and your mercy, it endures forever. And we're thankful for that. We're grateful for that. We're grateful for the blood and body of Jesus. Holy Spirit, you're our teacher. I ask you to give me utterance tonight. I believe I receive that. And I I thank you that as we look to the word of God, you open the eyes of our understanding and help us to not only gain the understanding, but then we know that you empower us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We know that the ones that are doers are blessed. And we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, amen. All right, let's go to Ephesians. I'm going to read Luke 10, uh, 17, which is kind of our golden text uh, that we've been going over. But then let's go over to Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to try and wrap up the armor uh, of God. I guess our spiritual armor is what it is. Uh, That's where we left off two weeks ago. We were talking about the armor, um, and we're talking about uh, enforcing the victory that we have over the enemy. And uh, uh, we've been learning about this, learning about authority. And then, of course, we don't want to just gain knowledge. We want to use it. But Luke 10, 17, you're going to Ephesians 6. Luke 10, 17 says this. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So one of the things we looked at here was, is that he gave, first of all, this wasn't just the 12, this was the 70 that had authority, and it was in the name of Jesus that they had this authority. Secondly, we looked at this, that he gave them authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, and we looked at the fact that that authority that we do have was also given to Adam and Eve in the beginning, in Genesis, right? And so, um, and the enemy got in after they didn't use that authority. But if you look at the root words there, 
in uh, Genesis where it talks about dominion and it talks about subduing. It's the same thing. It's authority and it's the ability to trample or to step on. Isn't that great? I love that. So um, uh, we saw here also the importance of rejoicing over the fact that your names are written in heaven. Not just the fact that you have authority. Sometimes I think in spiritual authority, uh, because of the nature of humanity and, and just our natural side, when we gather information about these things, if we begin to operate in them, you've got to watch your flesh and you've got to watch the way you think. Because your flesh will try and rise up and go, look at what I can do. It'll try and rejoice in the administration of the authority over the fact that you've been saved by grace through faith. And the Lord wants us to rejoice over our salvation. It's not that the other parts are not obviously very important. It just keeps, us, keeps it in perspective. Amen? So, um, Ephesians chapter 6. Let's go there. And we'll continue here. Um, and I will get there. It says this. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. This is verse 10. And in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand and having done all to stand. I don't know why they break this up, but then in verse 14, it says stand therefore. And what we've talked about so far is we actually looked at verse 10 through 12. And I want to pick up on verse 13 here and uh, begin to look at this armor again and look at these statements uh, that are in here. So verse 13, it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, that's where I'm going to stop it right there. We know it says stand, but I want to take a few statements here uh, on this. So wherefore, this word wherefore, means, or because of Satan's organization, take unto you or pick up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, the day of attack. The evil day is the day of attack. That's what it is. How many know this, that nobody is exempt from attack? Nobody. You know, you know, people sometimes, and I've actually been doing some uh, listening to a particular minister in this area, and then also a little bit of, I've done study on it through the years. So I've watched this happen through the years in the church. There's been a whole movement that people say you should never tie uh, an attack or something going wrong in your life to sin because people get condemned. And then there's a whole, there's a whole other teaching that happens over here where everything is the result of sin, uh, your personal sin. You understand what I mean? And so you know what the answer is? Both. Okay, the answer is both. Sometimes we open the door, but guess what? Most of the time, welcome to earth. You're here. As long as you're here and the enemy is the God of this world. Did you know that? He's the prince of the power of the air. It doesn't mean he's your God. It means he's the God of this world. Think about it like this. I was thinking about this one day. 
Do you remember the story where Jesus, uh, some, some people come to him and they report to him about how this tower fell on people in his day and killed all these people? And they said, uh, they basically were, they were insinuating that these people must have been horrible sinners because this building fell on them. And Jesus said, they're not any worse sinners than these guys down the road. And then he made this statement. He said, but unless you repent, you'll all basically suffer the same thing. Now, why say that? (laughs) Why say it? Because you know what? I can give you other scriptures where the Lord healed a man at the pool of Bethesda, took up his bed and walked. And what did he say to him? Go and sin no more. And then what did he say after that? Unless a worse thing come unto you. So which is it? It's both. You know, sometimes we get, you know, like uh, tunnel vision. That's what I'm looking for. Tunnel vision. Well, this is the answer. Actually, the answer is all of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so why say unless you repent? Well, the, the thought is if you repent and follow the Lord, the Lord will tell you the building is going to fall down. Do you see that? And you can avoid it. So some things happen in this life that are attacks because you're here, because sin's here. And I'm going to just, whoops, I'm going to just say this, because Adam and Eve sinned. Right? So how many destructive things took place before Adam and Eve sinned? None. How many will take place when the devil is removed? It'll be perfect, right? So sometimes we overthink these things. The other side of it is this. If you don't know for a fact quickly what you did to open the door to the enemy, don't fish. I mean, you should go fishing, but, but don't, don't go hunting for it. Don't. Just let it go, okay? We got to realize this. Sometimes I think we, we, uh, we over-spiritualize things. We try and make it bigger than it is. How about, you know, maybe, you know, just because there was a plane crash somewhere or Something tragic happened somewhere. It doesn't mean those people were any worse than anybody else. There's a, a Wesleyan minister years ago, years and years ago, and he shared, uh, he shared about how the Lord told him, don't get on that airplane, it's going to crash. And he didn't, and it crashed. And so he shared the testimony at a church, and the people, a person came up to him afterwards and said, so you're telling me, that uh, God didn't tell the other people not to get on the plane. He said, no, I'm telling you, I might have been the only one listening. (laughs) Right? Because unless you repent, unless you pay attention, then you may miss it, and you may be in heaven, and I may do your funeral. And I won't say anything bad. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or vice versa. Whatever the case may be, you understand what I'm saying. It's possible that you're just here and things happen. But that's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need this armor that we may be able to what? Withstand in the evil day. What is the evil day? Don't make it a day. Don't just think it's this day. You know, have you ever gone through more trials than other times? Okay, everybody has. But did you know evil's ever present? It is. It's in action all the time. Even in the midst of, we could have 
and we will see great revival and move of God and people delivered. And you know what? Next year, there's going to be more people that need Jesus, need deliverance, need healing, need. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's why this armor and understanding our authority is so important. Remember, we talked about this last week. Sorry, two weeks ago. We talked about this. We're, we're, we have the stability of the Lord within us, and we have the ability to stand. And the thought here, the idea here is to stand and continually stand. Amen? Sometimes people are looking for the perfect place. You know, if this goes right, and this is right, and then I have all these things right over here, and then I don't have to deal with these people over here, and then every, and then finally I can rest. You should just rest now. Just relax now. If there's something in you, I'm not talking about like a passion, but like an unhealthy drive to do something, it's probably not the Lord because he is not a herder. He's not like a, he's not like a, you know, it's not a cattle drive. <laughs> We're called sheep. <laughs> right? So, so he's not in heaven you know what I mean? He's just not doing that. It doesn't mean he doesn't want to do anything. What I'm saying is the rest is internal. It's not external. It's not when every, it's not when you finally get the thing that you're believing God for. It's not when you finally get, that's not what causes rest. Rest is in the inside. Rest is something that lives within me, whether everything outside is great or not. And if we can live from there, then you're really living by faith. And then when the, when, when, when the storms, when the seas calm and crystal clear, enjoy it. But don't put your faith in it. Because that's not where your faith should lie anyway. Right? So we have been given this whole armor. And part of the reason why we've been given it, you know, it'd be, it'd be sad if you had all this armor and no fight. Why have a shield? Why have a sword? <laughs> See, the American church, in some respects, has gone to a socialist mentality. I'm, I'm coming to church because I want to hear how I'm, it's going to be made all right and I'll have no more problems. I do not have that message for you. Now, I'm not saying we should believe for multiplied problems, you know. I'm not like a glutton for punishment either. You understand what I mean? But what I am saying is, if you really learn how to fight the fight of faith, it won't matter what's going on around you in the sense of it won't disrupt who's in the reality of Christ within you. You'll be able to still function and move forward. Uh, we were in prayer on Tuesday, and I was praying about some things, and I was, just, I was just praying, and in my spirit, I could see things that were taking place. And I looked, and I realized, we, I have a, we got a lot of things going on. How many people got a lot of things going on? But inside me, I realized, I'm not disturbed in the bit, in the least bit. You ever been in situations where it's like, it feels like everything could explode on you? But you know you heard from the Lord? And what do you do? Stay. Don't move. You know what I realized? I've been here before. And what happened last time? 
we walked through the valley of the shadow of death and went to the other side. And what will happen this time? We'll walk right through the valley of the shadow of death and we'll go to the other side and we'll have a testimony out of the test. Amen? I remember when uh, last year we went to Winter Bible Seminar and when we came back, Taylor, my uh, middle, she had the flu. <laughs> so we walk in and we, uh, we had just, we went down to Winter Bible because actually, because I've been ordained through Ramos for six years, but I've never had the leaders lay hands on me and all that stuff. And so I wanted that to happen. So we went down and it was my 20 year uh, Bible college anniversary, not my 20 year high school. No, it was college. Yeah, that's what happened. And uh, anyway, so we went down there for that and stuff. So we came back and we walked in. We landed over at the airport and then we drove down to my in-laws who live, uh, at the time they lived uh, out on uh, Wise Lane, I think is what it was. And uh, over by Oscar's Dreamland over there. And uh, so we walk in and here's Taylor and she is miserable. I mean, times 10. I mean, crying, throwing up, you know, looks like she actually lost like five pounds, which she doesn't need to do, you know what I mean? Um, And so we get get in there and, you know, you you just traveled everywhere. You've been on a trip, so you're not exactly rested like normal. And so you come back into this, well, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna join the panic? Am I gonna gonna see the symptoms and look at everything and go, (gasps) No, I'm not going to do that. So did you feel anything? I feel everything you feel. I'm just as human, right? But where do we function from? Faith doesn't have anything to do with emotion, and it doesn't have anything to do with feeling. Now, it can affect the two, but it doesn't have anything to do. What do I need to do right now? I need to put on or continue in the full armor of God, right? So... She had gone to the doctor. They had given her this medication, da-da-da-da-da. And so we get, we get home. And so we get her back into our house. And I, I, uh, uh, she was throwing up some weird-looking stuff. I don't even want to mention what it was. <laughs> it was weird, all right? So it was some sort of flu. I don't know what it was. But I'm like, nope, this is not staying. And so they were giving her the medication, you know, from the doctor and stuff like that. And I said... I finally, I told my wife, I said, I don't want to give her that. It was, it was irritating me, not in a sense of like, like I was just mad, but it was irritating me because I didn't feel like it was doing what it was supposed to. And I didn't feel like it was right in my heart, you know? So finally, I just said, no, we're not doing that anymore. And I just started, I said, Taylor, look at me. And I made her look at me. I said, this is ending now. And you know what happened? She threw up again. So now what? I withstand in the evil day. I keep standing, right? And so within two days, we had her rolling and eating. You know, you got to put the food back in them. And what stayed down? The food. And what left? The sickness. And what didn't get used? The medication. Why? I'm not anti-medication, so don't think that. I just knew in this, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm not letting this stay here. This is my house, my authority. And so I pushed, I drove it out. You know what I mean? And I wasn't overly impressed with the symptoms. I know when Heidi was pregnant with Kylie, um, before that, Heidi, uh, we thought Heidi was pregnant, and she actually had a, uh, it wasn't a miscarriage, but she had a, uh, 
the there was there was a uh, uh, the womb formed, but there was no baby. So we went in, had an ultrasound. Have you ever heard of that before? Maybe some of you have. Maybe some. Anyway, so the womb started to form, but there was no baby inside. So this was the first time that uh, Heidi and I were uh, going to have kids, and so um, the Lord had already given me a name for my son, Ian Jacob. So he's on the tail end now, but <laughs> but he is here. So. We, we, she went in, she had the surgery or whatever to, to have that removed because otherwise your, the body would just discharge it. So you know what happened with Kylie, right? Exact same symptoms. Exact same. Why? Because the enemy wants to come back and play. This time I was ready for him. And so we withstood in the evil day and, you know, we succeeded. You say, how do you know? There's Kylie, you know. Right there. But you know, 30 some weeks into the pregnancy, we went to the doctor and the doctor said, uh, your water levels are half of what they're supposed to be. She was, she was measured at the doctor at an eight. And so we, <laughs> we went to the, uh, uh, and it was supposed to be a 16, I think. And so we just prayed. We believed God together, rejoiced. And the doctor, we, she measured the next week and the doctor said, oh, it doubled. Her fluid levels doubled. Well, how do you explain that? Well, she was Catholic, so she somewhat agreed with us that God, you know, did a miracle. Um, <laughs> so then when we had Taylor, Taylor was, uh, uh, was, when Heidi was pregnant with Taylor, not even an issue. Guess what happened with Ian? Same symptoms. And at this time, I was a youth pastor. And so on, uh, I got home on a Friday night. I had actually got that news driving home from a camp that I had just done, a youth camp. Um, and then the next morning we had church, so I was in church service. And I'm sitting there, and I, have this, I still have this journal. And I'm just sitting there, and the minister is preaching, and I'm not, I wasn't fully listening. You ever been there before? And uh, I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just hit me. And I looked down on my uh, notepad and I wrote out, I see a healthy baby in so many months. I don't remember how many months out it was. And I just wrote that down. I didn't even say anything. And I just slid it over to Heidi. And now I have Ian Jacob, who is the name I had for the first child. But there was no baby in the womb, you know. So what, what did I not do? We didn't give up. We withstood in the evil day. What will we not do? We'll withstand in the evil day. We'll continue to move forward. Well, I got, I got this going on and this going on. I know. We will withstand in the evil day. And when it's all settled. See, there are, there are two things that need to take place. Submission to God. Resisting of the enemy. When we were down at the Believer's Rally, I was talking to one of the Phelans and and I said, how's it going? He said, well, we've been going through some fights. He said, but we're going to come out on the other side. And he said, the enemy's going to flee. I said, well, yeah, that's his job. I said, our job is to stand. His job is to flee. A lot of times Christians switch the role. But we see right here in verse 13, if you take up the whole armor of God, you'll be able to withstand in the evil day. Isn't that what it says? In other words, we will withstand. Why? Because we take up the whole armor of God. We have the whole armor of God on us. 
we can withstand against the attacks of the enemy. Satan is organized and he does attack. Where did Satan learn organization? From God. Because Satan wasn't always Satan. Satan was Lucifer before. And then he rebelled, right? So what happened in that? He didn't lose what he had learned. He still has it. And so he uses it. That's why he's able to effectively do certain things in the earth. Because of the tactics that he used and people's ignorance. Or lack of spiritual uh, uh, um, discernment. The weapons God has given to us are in front of us. So we're to take up the whole armor. So they're in front of us, okay? If we can take them up, they must be in front of us. We don't have to go find them. We just have to pick them up. That ye may be able to withstand, or the word is, the idea here is, hold your ground in the evil day. The evil day refers to any day in which you are under attack and facing temptation. Okay? Have you ever ever looked into the scriptures and seen how many times it says, don't be weary? Be alert. Pay attention. I mean, certain phrases uh, in our Bible reading, we just read a couple chapters back, or a couple days back, we read... uh, we saw where it's in Proverbs chapter 4. Have you ever seen how many action words are used for us as instruction to lay hold of wisdom in there? Seek it. Grab hold. Lay hold. Grab onto. Don't let go. Keep it. I mean, there are so many words in there that talk about similar to this. Lay hold of. Put on. Pick up, keep, don't let go of, and you'll be able to withstand in the evil day. The evil day, again, refers to any day in which you are under attack and facing temptation. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. I sense the Lord emphasized this to me last study. We need to be convinced that we are able to stand in the evil day when we have on the full armor of God. So... What does that mean? That means that you need to be convinced within yourself that you will come through. That this word is true. And it's your word. It's not the preacher's word. It's not some word that was given 2,000 years ago and it doesn't apply for today. It's my word for now. See, this book... Um, this book was, uh, as far as the book of Ephesians, it was written in a day to the, to, the, to the Ephesians, but it's written to the saints. In other words, it's not just encapsulated in a certain time. It's for now as well, and we need to be convinced of that. The word withstand is anthistemi. Isn't that an interesting word? A-N-T-H-I-S-T-E-M-I. And it means to stand against. It means to set against. This is the same word used in James 4, 7 and 1 Peter 5, 9. It's also the word where we get, we get our word antihistamine from. Isn't that interesting? Antihistamine. So in other words, what is an antihistamine? It's something that comes against a histamine. 
okay? So when we are called to withstand, what are we withstanding? We're withstanding against, we're coming against the evil day. We're taking up the whole armor of God and coming against something. So if we're coming against something, that means something is coming against, right? So we're to take up that armor and come against. And that's what we see in James 4, 7 and 1 Peter 5, 9. Um, And those are the scriptures that talk about resisting or, uh, uh, yeah, resisting the enemy, not assisting, resisting. The idea here is something is coming against us, the church, that is recognized by its source. So there is something that is coming against the church, and its source is of Satan. And we, the church, are standing against that activity with our authority in Christ Jesus. Two opposing forces at work in the earth. Two opposing forces at work in the earth. We are on the side of light. The enemy and his uh, demons and then people that are yielding to him are on the side of darkness. And we take up the whole armor of God and we come against what is coming against us. But here's the key in this. You've got to know what's of God and you've got to know what's of the enemy. And I will say this, there's plenty of confusion in the body of Christ about what's of God and what's of the enemy. And so you need to delineate between the two. This may seem simple, but I'm telling you, right now the enemy has things working in your, in your life that God doesn't want working there. And unless you take the time and really look and see, and a lot of times it's very subtle. You know, as Word of Faith, Pentecostal, those type of groups, we tend to focus on sickness. We tend to focus on poverty. We tend to focus on these type of things. Whereas other groups focus on other things. But it can be as simple as bitterness. It can be as simple as jealousy. And somebody could be focused on, uh, you know, I got this issue that I'm dealing with, this, this uh, uh, particular problem, this physical issue. And it could have nothing to do with the physical issue. It could be you're just angry at somebody from years ago. And there's an issue of unforgiveness sitting there. And what has happened? You haven't taken up the whole armor of God. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Well, you don't know what the Lord did for you. Not that we want to minimize or make it okay what people do as far as what they do wrong. But we need to minimize it, minimize it in, in, uh, in comparison to what the Lord has asked us to do. Because unless we take hold of his truth in that and come against what's coming against us, that thing will be allowed to operate in our lives. We have to dominate that thing with the whole armor of God, right? Okay, so we need to stand against it. So as you read through the scriptures, you should ask yourself, how do you see this spiritual law demonstrated and then look to apply it in your life by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, how do you see the spiritual uh, laws of withstanding and being attacked applied in Scripture? So I'll give you some, here's some questions for you. 
How do you see Jesus standing against demonic activity? So when you read the scriptures, do you read it and go, okay, I read my chapter, okay, that's it? Or do you break it apart? Do you read after Jesus from the standpoint of just, uh, you know, uh, from this standpoint? Well, he's the son of God and he can do that. Or do you read after it as he's the son of God, he's my example, and he said I'm supposed to do what he does? So how did Jesus deal with the devil? Because that's an example of what? Taking up the whole armor of God and withstanding in the evil day. So what would, you know, people, what would Jesus do? (laughs) Okay. But not only just that, what is the Holy Spirit prompting in you to do that you know from the scripture in this situation? Okay. You can get so much in your head on this that you can miss the leading of the Lord. In fact, I've watched it. Well, we'll get to it in just a little bit. I'm not going to go there early. I want you to see it. How do we see the disciples in the New Testament standing against demonic activity? How do, what did they do? How did, in the book of Acts, how did the disciples respond? In each situation, though, there are some situations, like, for instance, let me just give you an example, and I'm going to, this is just an overview here, but I'm going to give you uh, a few more of these in the next, I don't know if it's the next one or the next session, one of the two, I think it's the next one. But did Paul just, think about this, when Paul went to a particular place to preach, how many remember that the fortune teller lady followed him for how many days? Multiple, right? And what did she do behind him? She, she basically shared with everybody that he was a preacher and he preached the way of righteousness. Did Paul the first day just turn around and kick that demon out? He didn't. He actually ended up waiting days before he did it. Why? Didn't Paul have authority the first day? What's he waiting on? The leading of the Holy Spirit. He's waiting on what the Lord's going to tell him to do. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus... I'm just going to flip some minds here just real quick. It's going to be great. But it'll give you something to think about because I want you to be... I want you to think too. I don't want you to just spew answers back necessarily. Think about this. Did Jesus rebuke the storm and it calmed? When Jesus was in the boat with his disciples, did he stand up on the edge of the boat and go, peace be still, and the storm calmed? Why didn't Paul do that on his ship? He's the one that wrote spiritual authority. I know, great thoughts, huh? Guess you have to come back to find out why. (laughs) My point is this. Sometimes we think we know. And really, you cannot have just principles. You need relationship. There are reasons why, and they're explained in the Scripture. Because, see, I've had to wrestle with these things, and then I get the questions. You know what I mean? Because people will come to you, like I I have had people come to me say, Jesus healed everybody. That's not true. He didn't. Was it his will to heal everybody? Yes. There's no question. But did Jesus heal everybody? No, he didn't. 
Not because it wasn't his will. Think about just the, we, we, we touched it earlier at the pool of Bethesda. How many sick people are in that pool? Every single one. And what did Jesus do? He found one person. And then he scooted out of there. I mean, he whoop, zipped off. Well, he has authority, doesn't he? This beat's throwing it up in the air and going, <laughs> nope, that wasn't it. <laughs> in other words, there's a lot in the scripture here that brings balance to everything that happens. Understanding God's will, just because we have it with us and we have it here from the scriptures and we can see it, it doesn't mean everybody's going to receive it. Is it God's will that every person be saved and forgiven? Has it been provided for? Has everybody received it? What does the scripture say in the Old Testament? Forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. People have a role to play. I have a role to play. And we, spiritual authority, I think sometimes people think, you know, they have this idea. Because there are passages of scripture that say, Jesus healed them all. Right? In that area. In certain places. Yet he went to other towns and what happened? How about his own hometown? Did, was Jesus anointed in his own hometown? Did he carry the anointing with him? Was God with him? Did Jesus have a problem hearing from God? Let me ask you this. How many know the story about the man let down in the roof? The paralytic. He was drawn, he was let down by four, right? Before that paralytic got there, what does the scripture say? The house was filled with religious leaders and Pharisees and all that. And what does it say? And the presence of the Lord was there to what? Heal. But none of them were being healed. Why? Because the, which means what? There's a whole bunch of sick religious leaders there. And God wants to heal them. But why aren't they being healed? They're not there, to, they're not there with their notebook to go, bring me revelation, Jesus. I need it. They're there to go, watch him now. He's going to say something wrong and we're going to catch it. In other words, they're not open to receive. But what do we know about the guy that was paralyzed? Well, if you rip a roof off, you're ready to receive. You know what I mean? You could care less what the sermon's about. You're like, drop me down in. You know, here we go. And what did the man receive? Forgiveness and healing. In other words, I don't even know how we got off on that, but it was a lot of fun. So... We need, to, we need to look at this on all sides. We, can, we have authority. We can exercise that authority. But we just do not have jurisdiction over everybody and everything. If that were the case, let's just get out of here. You know what I mean? Let's just make this thing go. 
We do have authority and we can walk in it as examples and we can share it with people, especially those who don't know much, you know, about the Lord. And it's a, it's a, it's a testimony. It's a revelation. We can go out, we can share, we can be the body of Christ wherever we are. I think it is always better to err on the side of doing the will of God, even if the people don't receive it. Always. You know what I mean by that? In other words, I'll put it to you like this. People say, well, I prayed for that person and they didn't get healed. Well, they're not any worse. (laughs) You know what I mean? I I don't look at it as, oh, it was a defeat. I look at it as we are advancing the kingdom. Maybe it was a seed sown and later down the road they will receive. But they do. There are times... And there's two sides to healing here. There's the gifts of the Spirit, and then there's also the administration of authority and the working of faith. And there's, there's two things going on there um, because they definitely are in different categories. Um, but they do work together. God is so good. He'll do anything he can to get to people. They have to be open to receive it, though. And so in this, we have the ability, as we're looking into the Scripture, we have the ability to look and see how Jesus responded to good, to evil, what he did when the enemy came in. We have the ability to look and see what the apostles did, the disciples, those that aren't even recorded as the original apostles. There's recording of how many people in the New Testament that were doing things that weren't even a part of the original twelve. And we can look and see how they responded to situations and how they responded to evil coming against them. And in the midst of that, we can learn from that, study that, see it, and then we can do what? We can use that as armor against the enemy in our own lives. And what takes place is the book of Acts continues to be written. Amen? So, we are going to see again in the next verse... uh, the thought here that we are to be active in setting ourselves under the Lord and against Satan in our lives personally and as for as far as our jurisdiction reaches. The Bible says, and having done all, and in the Greek that word, I'm not going to even try and pronounce the word. Anyway, it's a really great word. But the, but the phrase, and having done all, it means... Something on the inside working itself out. So this refers to the inward power of the Holy Spirit and precise scriptures which are brought to the surface through faith. Inward power becomes outward endurance to stand and win in every battle. So in other words, and having done all, there is a power that is working within you through your fellowship with the Lord, through the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and through the mixture of the words of God being there, and that's working from within out. I love this definition of this because I think out of the new covenant, there should be so much emphasis on the fact that we are living from the inside out. Uh, Paul would say things like that all the time in his epistles. It is important that you pick up the armor and put it on. It is also important to pull out everything that is stored in you. Once you have done all of these things in order to be able to stand, stand. What good would it do to have all the armor in place, be prepared to stand, 
and then not stand. A lot of times, uh, Christians are getting whooped because they're just not standing. They're just not continuing to stand. When you've done all you can to stand, stand, right? Just keep moving. You have the ability. How many people today have been only hearers of the word? They are prepared to stand, but they just won't do it. Verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. I like this. Stand therefore, having your loins. The word is actually in the uh, King James Version. It's girt, G-I-R-T, which I think is a short for someone's name. It's not, but it just sounds like that to me, Gertrude. Um, (laughs) Girt about with truth. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. The word stand means to oppose or resist. We just looked at this. The devil is coming against you. Oppose and resist him. You know, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Having your loins girt about or girt means having your waist buckled. That's what that means. Girded means buckled. This refers to the belt that went around the waist. The belt covered a gap where the joints of the armor met. The loins, now listen to this closely. This is what I was getting at earlier that I skipped. The loins refers to the emotions. The scripture says in, uh, I think it's Ephesians 1.13, but it says this, gird up the loins of your mind. What's in your mind? You think about the soul, you think mind, will, and emotions. So gird up your mind with what? Truth. In Ephesians 4.32, we were to be tender-hearted or have Good bowels. Bowels is used for the emotions in 2 Corinthians 6.12. So the idea here is truth anchors your emotions. It holds you together, okay? 2 Corinthians 6.12 says this, talking about the emotions. This was actually a fight that was going on in the Corinthian church that Paul is referring to. The, the church is actually fighting against Paul who started the church. Okay, and he's, and he says this, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. So I've watched this happen. Have you ever seen this happen? That a person gets so fixated on their feelings that they can't discern spiritually. They don't every listen, if you've gone year after year after year after year in your life and everybody else is the problem, this is a scripture for you. And or me, okay? If, every, if it's always some spiritual force out there that is preventing you from developing, from keeping yourself together, if it's always some other thing, it's usually, and you know, people can be this way. There are certain people that they can get this way. If, if a person genuinely loves them and tries to instruct or correct them, but they are forever in defense mode, what do we know? We know that their loins, their emotions are not surrounded. In, it's an unhealthy mind. Why is it unhealthy? Because if everybody else is always the problem, there's no repentance taking place. Even if there was somebody else that is the problem, the Lord won't even deal with you about that until you're in a place of health. Let me read this to you in another translation. 
This is the uh, New Living Translation. Paul said this, There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. How would you like that to be the word of the day? The letter being written to you. The problem isn't my love walk, Paul says. It's yours. Well, you're in a disagreement with somebody. Well, what does a mature person do? Do they, a mature person, now they won't just become somebody's punching bag, but they will take the information, sit down, pray, and assess what's going on and allow the Holy Spirit to give you correct discernment, judgment, correct? Okay, let me read it to you in another translation. The message, it says this, we didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. Isn't that interesting? In other words, what's going on? The soul of the person doesn't have truth wrapping everything together. Can you imagine this? And this is the picture that I got when I was reading this. Can you imagine somebody running into spiritual battle and they don't have their belt on? So this belt is what holds everything together. What does that mean? That means you're trying to be limber, quick, you're trained, you're ready to go. You're running out into battle and what's going on? Your breastplate, everything is flapping all over the place. What are you? An easy target. Why? Because your loins, your mind, your soul, your emotions are not what? They're not wrapped in truth. This is why I believe Paul talks about this, but he talks about the importance of, and the scripture talks about it as well, not only uh, in the epistles, but then also where Jesus said, remove the plank from your own eye. Or the other thing is this, judge yourself. Yeah, that you won't be judged, right? So what do I need to do? I need to go, okay, Lord, uh, this is what's been said to me by, we'll just say by a man of God in my life. He said, the problem is not his love walk, it's mine. So what do I need to do? You, do I immediately need to go into this mode? Well, I know things about them. What do I know? I am emotionally weak and immature. Why? Because I don't have truth working. I'm not wrapped in truth. I'm not wrapped in truth. Paul wouldn't have taken this battle unless he knew it was right. I have found this truth in my own life, and I have observed it in the ministry. When we step outside of love and don't allow truth to rule our emotions, we end up in a spiritual fight where our armor is not secure, which leaves us open to the enemy. We are not to let our emotions rule us. We are to rule our emotions with the word of truth, John seventeen seventeen. A soldier must not be emotional during battle. He can be killed if he does not keep his head. Ever watched a war movie? Usually they have one guy in there that freaks out. And what usually happens to him? Yeah, he's dead. You know what else happens when that happens? He becomes a, a uh, uh, what would you say? He becomes a liability to every other soldier. He becomes a liability, or she, whoever, becomes a liability. The truth holds things together. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is an attribute of your recreated spirit. Righteousness is a part of, your, of the inner man. What does the breastplate cover? It covers your chest. That is where your spirit man is on the inside. You are to cover the chest, 
the area of faith. Wearing your breastplate means having a righteousness conscience. Always being aware of your position in Christ. I like that. I'm wearing, what am I doing? I have have my understanding. I'm aware of my identity in Christ Jesus. Verse 15 says, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shod means tied on or tied or bound up. To tie your shoes is to have your feet shod. The gospel is good news. The gospel of peace is the message of reconciliation, according to Ephesians 2, 14 through 17. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation that Jesus Christ preached. He came to preach reconciliation on the earth, not imputing their trespasses against them, and hath given unto us the word or the message of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5, 19. The word reconciliation means peace. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace is another reference to walking. It means go and do something. In Isaiah 52, 7, we read, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth what? Good tidings. That publishes peace. Your feet are beautiful when they bring the message of peace or reconciliation. True peace is a monopoly possessed only by Christians. If a person accepts Christ, he can have the peace which we preach. Romans 10, 15. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. How many of them? Oh, yeah. He So this translation says this. Above all, or most important, taking the shield of faith wherewith or with which you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts. The word fiery darts is actually flaming missiles of the wicked one. The shield here, this is very important because this is above all, correct? The shield here is a door-shaped shield a Roman soldier that a Roman soldier carried. It was large enough to hide his entire body. So in other words, just duck in behind, Right? Light in weight, it was carried in front of him and stood about as tall as as the man himself. The man simply got behind it. That is the shield of faith we, we use to stand against the devil. You know, here's another thing with this. If you're hiding behind your shield, you're usually not stabbing with your sword. How, what's one of the keys to withstanding in the evil day? Sometimes it's just getting behind and sitting. And waiting. It's through faith and patience, right? It's those two things. So you just get behind and sit. And sometimes you just have to wait for the flaming missiles to, for the devil to kind of wear himself out a little bit. Do you understand what I mean? Okay. And that's what he's saying here. Faith is produced from our inner man and is big enough to cover our entire body. This shield is most important because it is movable, thank God. Every other piece of the armor is for a specific part of the body. The shield can work with each part or on its own. Take the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench or extinguish all the fiery darts of the wicked one. A fiery dart is a flaming missile shot at us by Satan. We often think of a fiery dart as something thrown like a dart at a dartboard. Nothing could be further from the truth. These missiles will kill you and many more people at the same time. 
This is an analogy from the ancient world. The armies would have large balls about the size of bowling balls and would set them on fire. They would put them in a large catapult. Once the catapult was released, the flaming ball would shoot up into the air for a great distance of a half mile or more. When they landed in a city, they would do great damage to the property and lives. This would save a lot of manpower. Armies could stay at a safe distance from a city and still do much destruction. Faith will handle Satan's largest weapons. This is why faith is most important. So in other words, I have seen this description in action. Satan's flaming missiles can hit an individual, but I have also seen them hit in, general, in a general area and begin to work through a group of people. How many of you have seen that before? In other words, they hit and boom, they, they, they shatter out. I've watched this happen. His attack can hit the ground and spread through a group if they are not aware of the enemy and fully armored. Some weapons or missiles could be what? Fear, worry, complaining, bitterness, anger, frustration, jealousy, unforgiveness. You say, how does it travel? It's like a disease. You know, they used to do this uh, back in the day. They would, they would put disease into things and shoot it inside a fortified place to try and cause it to spread. Do you think anything has changed? It has not changed at all. People say, oh, no, no, that government said that they quarantined and they didn't let it out and that they, yeah, right. Come on. L let me help you with something. Just because they're in authority doesn't mean they won't lie. People say, well, the, the, the authorities are established by God. Yeah, the positions are. But the people in them are not necessarily established by God. Does that make sense? The authorities, the positions are. Satan wants to work through the authorities. Have you, have you ever read what goes on in China? You should... There's some groups that are exposing some of the stuff they do. It is sickening what they do in communist land. You know, sometimes people, people say, oh, they didn't mean to spread this virus. <laughs> okay. In other words, as Christians, we need to know what? Take up the whole armor. Why? Because even if the enemy isn't, you know, if there isn't something just going around, spreading around, things like that, he will work through other people. To try and cause destruction. You say he wouldn't, people would, it would cause sickness in other people? Uh huh. Mao Zedong, <laughs> Joseph Stalin, Adolf Hitler, I mean, Nero, how many more can we name? You know, through the, through the years. They, they will do it, they absolutely will do it. Why? Because they're yielded to the enemy. So, what do we need to do? We need to take up that whole armor. We need to have that shield of faith ready to go. We need to be aware of the enemy's tactics. And as we do, we are exercising our authority. And I'll just put it to you like this. I want to get into the sword, but we'll just have to hit it next time. I'll just put it to you like this. A lot of times, and this is just a reality. If you practice this day to day like you should, the battles will be easier. In other words, 
sometimes people come to a Bible study or they're, they'll think, oh, it's Wednesday night. You know, they, they don't have worship and they, it's just not as exciting. It's not as, you know, and really what they're saying is they live inside their emotions. So faith is tied to how they feel. I will never tie my faith to my feeling. Because I don't know about you, maybe you're different than me, but my flesh and my soul, my emotions, they are not trustworthy because they can be affected by a lot of things. If you learn to get into the word and just stay with it and don't quit, you'll have phenomenal feelings at times. Like, for instance, at the Believer's Rally uh, last week when we were at the Believer's Rally, I had amazing feelings in those services. I haven't had many of them since. Has it stopped what I heard? No. Has it stopped what I believe? Do I still believe the prophetic word that was, that the words that were given to me or to the church or whatever? Do I still believe the words that were preached that were straight out of the scriptures that were given? Absolutely. Has everything been hunky-dory ever since the words came forth? No. You know, most people think, I, and in fact, I should say this. I used to think this. I'd get, you know, for the first probably two or three years that I was uh, saved, I, every guest minister on the planet called me out and gave me a word where I was. It didn't, in fact, it didn't even matter where I was. They'd call me out. The Lord says this. And it was almost all the same word. It was great. And I thought, man, this is awesome. And then 20 years later, it started coming to pass. Do you know what I learned in that? Because I would have this amazing, you know, you'd have this, you know, the presence of God comes over you. You feel all these things. And I realized something. That was all good. I enjoyed it. But that's not how you walk that word out. Now, finally, me and Heidi got to the point where we're like, just don't give us a word. Just, (laughs) just don't. You say, why? Because it means work. See, most people think, well, you're, you know, people, <laughs> I've heard this before. Oh, it just does not bless me at all. But I've heard people, you know, call somebody out and go, you're, you're the next, uh, uh, who's a big minister? Benny Hinn, or uh, now those guys are kind of um, moving on in their life, but others are coming. Oh, Joyce Meyer. I've heard that so many times. You're the next Joyce Meyer. Why can't you just be you? And do you really want Joyce Meyer's ministry? Especially, and then I I know, I have friends of mine, I know people that are running around trying to fulfill being Joyce Meyer. They're not even graced for it. Now, there could be some similarities. You could have something. But why not be satisfied with who you are in Christ? Besides that, if you go try and have Joyce Meyer's ministry, it'll kill you because she's anointed to do it and grace to do it. You want that responsibility? Hundreds of employees, <laughs> ministry all over the world, rarely home, traveling everywhere. Some people are like, yeah, that's what I want. And they live so far out there that they forget about where they're at. The reality is the word of God coming into us. And this is what I want to end with. These truths work if you do them. You have to do them day by day. You know, people sometimes, 
fact, I heard T.D. Jake say this years ago. He said, I know the church has sold you a bill of goods, but he said, uh, you can't grow up spiritually or cause the word of God to work in your life through the laying on of hands. In other words, there is a time to lay hands. There is a time to believe God and have somebody pray for you. There's a time to feel God. But if you really want that word to work, you've got to do it. You've got to apply it in your day-to-day. So tomorrow, when you wake up in the morning, go, Lord, show me today how to use my authority. And don't just pick one area. You know, sometimes we can, be, we can emphasize in an area of our life. But look. You know, maybe, uh, I don't know, like the, uh, the, uh, some cough things going around right now. You know, maybe your kids are dealing with something. Maybe somebody you know is. Start using, let the Lord lead you, but start using your authority in that area. I've been using my authority for days. Even without symptoms, I use it on other things. If I'm not using my authority for me, I'm using it for you. I am. If I'm using it, how, how many know this? We can use our authority from the beginning of our life to the end of it. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm believing God to be strong and stay focused. And then when, you, you know, when you're younger, you're believing God to, to, to stay obedient, stay out of sin, doing things. That, of course, you do that all the time. But you're using your authority. And then when you get older, you believe in God to live a long, satisfied life. And that everything works good. <laughs> in other words, you got opportunity, use it. People say, well, I, had to, I went through this and I went through that. Going through something is not a sign that you missed God. It's a sign you're on the planet. Use your authority. Well, my kids aren't acting right. Use your authority. And that doesn't mean just declare the word. That means spank their butt. Sorry, bottom. (laughs) It means discipline, right? It means all of these things, training, nurturing. It's you're using all your authority. Amen? Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We purpose to be doers and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.